Let's go to God's word this morning. Reading from Luke chapter 2, 25 through 35. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, in these next few moments, may we never forget the special nature of what happens when your word is open before your people and your spirit moves freely through this place as we gather together. God, I pray that during these moments, not only would we not forget this truth, but Lord, may we be prepared by your Spirit, and Lord, may we receive your word for the purpose in which it was given, which is that you might be glorified in each and every life in this room. God, I pray, Lord, right now, that you would guide us in every way possible. And for those who are in this room, even this morning, who have never given their lives over to your Son, Jesus Christ, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said earlier, this morning we begin a short series on Advent, which again, traditionally started last Sunday. But because Christmas falls on a Sunday this year and we have a Christmas Eve service, it, I felt that it was perfectly okay to begin Advent today. And so we are going to begin looking at that over the next few weeks. Now, if, you're, if you're wondering where it comes from, the word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which is translated from a Greek word found in the New Testament, the word parousia, which means coming. And so when we talk about the Advent season or the Advent of Christ, we are in fact referring to the first coming of Jesus. Um, in fact, we have uh, the first Advent, and because of the first Advent, we can look forward to the second Advent, which is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And we have been, as Christians, formally celebrating Advent since back as far as the 8th or 9th century. And over the next few weeks, including today, we are going to look at the hope that is found in this season through Christ, the love that is found in Christ during this season, the joy that can be found in Christ, and ultimately the peace that comes from knowing Christ. Now, we don't really know much about Simeon. In fact, what Brother David just read is all we know about this man called Simeon in Luke chapter 2. And the reason I want to bring that up is because Simeon's identity is not very important to Luke at all. Uh, Often we read uh, these types of stories and we get lost. We essentially miss the forest for the trees. We get lost trying to figure out who is Simeon and what was his life like and what did it mean. The truth is is that Luke mentioned what Luke mentioned under the authority of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit felt that all you and I needed to know was what he says right here. Because the person of Simeon is not important as, as important as the role Simeon plays in the story of Jesus Christ. Now, if you were to look back at Luke chapter 1, you know that John the Baptist's circumcision and ultimately his name and all of those things and the fact that he, uh, it follows a declaration of how he fulfilled a prophetic, uh, prophetic teaching all throughout the centuries. Luke chapter 2, this story really repeats the same pattern. After talking about how John the Baptist fulfills God's plan. Now we see in Luke chapter 2, Simeon declaring that Jesus fulfills God's plan. And so as we look at this, um, he, he, we find that Jesus is the answer that Simeon has been looking toward, the hope that Simeon has had, and that is how Jesus, in fact, is the hope that we look toward. Now I remember uh, growing up, I remember living in constant hope. I have some children who are at this stage now. Um, I remember living in constant hope that uh, around 15 or 16 years old, I would get to begin driving. I kept thinking, man, once I get my driver's license, oh, my life is going to change for the better. I just, this is going to, this is my ticket to freedom. I mean, I'm going to, I can do what I need to do when I want to do it. And no one can stop me. I remember living in hope thinking, man, when I can finally get my driver's license, my life will be fulfilled. I'm thinking, man, what the, my 16th birthday, I'm going to walk into the DMV. I'm going to grab that driver's license and I'm going to be gone. I didn't get my driver's license till I was almost 18. Um... <laughs> But the day I took my driver's license, I was, I mean, I was, I was pumped up. I was, I was so excited. Um, I was ready for my freedom. Only, uh, I went to the driver's license office. I took my test. Everything's a little different in Texas. Um, basically, you just have to show them your breathing, and they give you a driver's license. And so I walked in and uh, did everything. They were about to do it, and the lady said, oh, by the way, real quick, look down in that vision thing. I looked down in the vision thing. She said, look through, uh, you know, read it. I read it. She said, okay, now close your right eye. I closed my right eye, and I read it, and she said, okay, now close your left eye. I closed my left eye, and I couldn't see anything. I had not worn glasses, didn't know I need to wear glasses, but apparently I did. 
So guess what? I had to leave the DMV and wait another two weeks before I could come back, take the test again to get my driver's license. Well, so in that moment, I was all excited. Now I've been let down. This hope that I had been living toward uh, for so long, I had been let down. But finally, I get my driver's license. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to get out on the open road. I'm ready to do all that I want to do and be cool. Ride up to school and people think I am awesome. Right? And I lived in a redneck, redneck community. So my hope was if I could just get a pickup truck, that's all that mattered. It didn't matter actually what it looked like at all. As long as you had a pickup, you were cool. And... Uh, my parents gave me a brown 1989 Buick LeSabre <laughs> that my friends affectionately referred to as the tank. Um, if you've seen a Buick LeSabre, I can describe it to you this way. Whatever car you drive could fit in the trunk of a Buick LeSabre. <laughs> so again, quite a letdown. Until my entire cross-country team needed to go somewhere, they could all ride with me at one time. Finally, though, I thought, man, okay, whatever. We can get past the fact that I'm driving a, a, a grandma mobile. You can get past the fact that my car, when I press the gas down real hard, a massive billow of black smoke blows up in the back. Now, you can, we can get past all of that. But I've got freedom. That's all that matters. I can go where I need to go. Until my father looked at me and said, by the way, you have to pay your own gas and your own insurance. That was a little bit of a letdown. I did not have a job. I mowed the lawn. And my dad said that was the price I paid to live in his house. So I had to get a job to make a little money so that I could pay for my gas and pay for my insurance. And then when I finally got that, I thought, okay, I, I've got enough to get gas because at this point gas was like 97 cents a gallon, so it wasn't a big deal. I could drive wherever I wanted to, do whatever I wanted to, until I found out that apparently me getting a driver's license and being the oldest meant that I was now my little brother and my little sister's chauffeur to every single solitary place they needed to go. See, the one thing I thought that I needed to make everything right, and to make everything fulfilled so that I could find fulfillment in my life, everything good, it just ended up being a massive letdown. A massive letdown, and to be honest, to this day, I do not like driving. See, in a far more significant way, we as humans, we spend, <clears throat> we spend our lives, we spend our existence looking for something to fulfill this innate longing in our soul, in, in our hearts. We think, if I could just get that new job, if I could just get that new position, if I could just finish school, if I could just get that thing, that one thing that would satisfy me, if I could just get that, then everything will be fine, and I'll be satisfied. And then, as many in this room could probably testify, no, no doubt I could testify too, the reality is the moment you get that one thing, you find that it does not satisfy you at all. In fact, the moment you get that one thing, all you want is something better. You want something bigger. You want something more expensive, something that makes you look better, or whatever the case may be. The reason that this is common among all human beings is because every single solitary thing on this earth that you try to fill your life with to bring you satisfaction was not made to bring you satisfaction. In fact, it cannot 
under any circumstance, fulfill the deepest longing in your soul. St. Augustine, the bishop of Hippo in northern Africa said, Lord, our hearts are made for you and they are restless until they find their rest in you. See, our hearts were created to find our satisfaction, our lives, our existence. We were made to find our satisfaction, our fulfillment, that longing within our soul. We were made to find it in Jesus Christ alone. Because of that, what we have to realize during this Advent season as we look at the fact that Jesus brings the hope that we've been looking for, it is that Jesus is the one you've been waiting for. He's the one you've been waiting for. And in order to respond to him, though, here's the thing. In this world, we'll say, okay, that's fine. I'm good with that. Jesus is the one uh, that I'm supposed to look to. Jesus is the one that I'm supposed to think about, especially during this time. Uh, maybe you're here this morning because, um, you know, it's the Christmas season, and frankly, you don't want to disappoint your mother or your grandmother, and that's why you're here. The truth is this. You could say it's fine, but when you come to Jesus in hope, but when you come to Jesus, he gives the stipulations on how you come to him. Come, just, just, it doesn't matter how, no, actually it does matter how you come to Jesus. He, he lays out um, in the New Testament, he lays out exactly how we are to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And see, what we see in this passage, in the story of Simeon, is that the first thing required is that to see Jesus is to see him in faith. To see Jesus is to do so in faith. So in verse 25, especially in your Bible, it may look like we're, uh, we're jumping right into the middle of a story. And, and to an extent, maybe we are because it begins in, in verse 22. And really, it goes back to verse 21. So this is all one story. So you kind of just have to pick a spot uh, to begin and in verse 21, at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. I'm certain you know this, that Jewish tradition was that uh, the, the boy, uh, the young boy was circumcised on the eighth day, and that was also the day he was named. And so even though they knew what his name was going to be, they waited until eight days, and he was circumcised, and then they named him Jesus. And then, in verse 22, when the time came for their purification, whose Mary's and Jesus's. So when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So Jesus, being Mary's firstborn, she brings him to the temple because he is supposed to be set aside. And in fact, it says here, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So she is to come and offer sacrifice to the Lord and set her son aside as per Jewish tradition. And as Mary and Joseph arrive at the temple to do this, they meet a man in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So Jesus is referred to here. It says, uh, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and he was righteous and he was devout. He was there in the temple waiting for the consolation 
of Israel. The consolation of Israel. Why? Because they were in captivity. Pretty much spent most of their existence in captivity. And they needed a savior. They needed rescuing. They needed to be consoled or delivered. And so he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And then there's a little note at the end of verse 25. He was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, at this point in the New Testament and in, and in biblical history, at this point, the Holy Spirit, uh, this, is not, this is not post-Acts. Uh, so, so this is pre-Acts. This is pre-Jesus' ministry. So prior to that, the Holy Spirit only indwelt specific people. The Holy Spirit only really indwelt possibly priests, um, definitely prophets and kings and judges and then specific people uh, throughout the Old Testament as the Lord deemed necessary. So that's what happened. Well, you find Simeon, this man, we know nothing about. He's not given a title. He's not called the priest Simeon. He's not called the prophet Simeon. Uh, But nonetheless, he has the Holy Spirit upon him. Now, does it matter? Not really, but I would say this, that all the description given about Simeon and the fact that he dwells in the temple, it is possible that he is a priest. It is more likely that he is a prophet. Um, and, And so he has the Holy Spirit upon him. Now, this might sound significant in one sense and insignificant in another if there wasn't the next sentence. See, Having the Holy Spirit upon you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, is normal for every one of us. You have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit. God himself lives within you in the person of the Holy Spirit. The significance is really found in the next phrase. So, the Holy Spirit was upon him and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, Simeon has not only is the Holy Spirit on him, but he has led and guided by the Holy Spirit. There's something special about Simeon. See, so often, many of us, if we're believers, we live our lives knowing that the Holy Spirit lives within us, knowing that the Holy Spirit is upon us, but we do not live our lives guided by the Holy Spirit. See, in Simeon is guided by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit. In fact, here it says, the Holy Spirit told him that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. By the way, that certainly sounds like a prophet, something that would be told a prophet. So he's told that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ, or literally the Lord's anointed one, the Lord's Messiah. So he would not see death. And then verse 27 And he came in the Spirit into the temple. So now we know something about Simeon. Simeon lives his life with the Holy Spirit upon him. He lives his life led by the Holy Spirit, taught by the Holy Spirit, and guided by the Holy Spirit. So this is not just an ordinary man who's hoping that he might see something. But in fact, he was told by the Lord that he would not die until he had seen Jesus Christ. And it says in verse 27, And he came into the Spirit into the temple, 
And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said. Now, don't, don't miss the, um, well, don't miss, it's, it's just kind of funny in the scene. Because you got to imagine how this goes for Mary and for Joseph. Mary and Joseph, uh, for Joseph, at least earthly, but he's a new father. Uh, Mary, of course, a new mother. She's got this baby. The baby's basically eight to uh, somewhere between a week and two weeks old. Um, and she comes into the temple. They've got their money, even though they're poor. They've got their stuff for the turtle doves or, or whatever it is that they're bringing to offer. They're coming into the temple. They walk in the temple, and this old man walks up to them and takes the baby out of their hands. Right? Now, I have not been, obviously, a new mother, but I can assume how my wife would have felt, and many of you in this room, if you have been young mothers or are young mothers, if you walked into the church on a Sunday morning and someone just walked, someone you do not know walked directly up to you and took your baby out of their hands, out of your hands, and began to, to, to walk around and sing praises to God, that would feel odd. That would be strange. This is, a, this is a, an odd moment for Mary and for Joseph. Now, this is strange. See, but the moment they walked into the temple, don't miss this, there are people everywhere. In, in the temple worship, even in this time, people were constantly coming and going, coming and going. There are hundreds of people all over the place. And yet, when Mary and Joseph, just this unassuming couple that are walking in, probably among a whole lot of other young couples that may have been bringing babies at some point, they're coming into this, the, the temple, and yet Simeon, out of everyone there, walks directly up to them and grabs the baby Jesus. Why? Well, the key... To everything that is happening at this point are found in these phrases. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. In verse 27, and he came in the Spirit into the temple. So he is being led and guided by the Holy Spirit. Simeon lived his life in faith. He had been told something by God. And he believed it. He believed it so much so that he was led by the Holy Spirit into the temple on this day. And he followed the Lord in obedience. And he recognized Jesus. But he only recognized Jesus because of the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That's what Luke is telling us here. Uh, it, it, it's not that he just randomly picked a baby and happened to be right. He was led directly to Mary and Joseph by the Holy Spirit to fulfill what God had told Simeon. Early on. See, to truly know Jesus, to truly see Jesus, to truly come to Him and to receive Him, you have to be led by the Holy Spirit and you have to do so in faith. See, Simeon did that. Simeon lived a life led by the Holy Spirit and he lived a life of faith, believing what God had told him. See, you may be sitting here this morning and you may be here thinking... You know, I'd believe if, I mean, goodness, if I just saw more evidence, if there was just more proof, if you could just give me a clearer picture of X, Y, and Z, I would be able to believe. But see, what you're saying is, if you will make me see, then I will believe. But in order to see Jesus, you have to believe first. See, coming to, coming to Jesus Christ is, 
We don't talk about coming to empirical evidence of Christ. We talk about coming in faith to Christ. And Simeon lived a life of faith. See, you have to come to Jesus believing who he is, believing that he did what the scriptures say he did, and that he will do for you what he said he would do for you. See, coming to Christ, you come in faith. So it may be this morning that you're here and you're, you've been living your life in such a way as to, um, to try to fill that gap, to fill that hole, to fill that void in your life. And you've been doing every single solitary thing you can think of. You've tried success financially. You've tried success culturally. You've tried everything that you can imagine. And yet the void is still there. The reason for this is because Jesus is the one you've been waiting for. But to come to him, you have to come to him in faith. But not only to see Jesus, you have to come to him in faith, but to see Jesus is to see God's salvation. He says in verse 29, as Simeon takes Jesus up in his arms and he begins to pray or sing out loud. Because it it, it is a song, but also a prayer. He begins to sing out loud and say, Lord, now... You are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. It's interesting that his father and mother marveled at what was said about him because they had both heard this from the angel. Uh, So they knew this, and in fact, it says many times throughout Jesus' ministry, it says that Mary marveled at what was said, or Mary marveled at what was done, uh, even though they had been told repeatedly by the Lord. So I will say this, that if you wonder if Mary knew, hence the famous song, Mary Did You Know? Mary knew. Um, Mary knew definitively, over and over and over again. And yet every time they heard something like this, Mary marveled. She was overwhelmed with what people were saying about Jesus. And so Simeon's response here in faith is Lord or Master. It can actually be translated Sovereign Lord, Ruler, the one who is in complete and total control over me. That's what Simeon says. But if you're wondering how much Simeon believes this, he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant. So he's saying, Not only is God sovereign Lord completely in control of me and everything about me, but also I am willingly and completely in submission to him. So he says, your complete servant. And then he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. It's interesting to note in the story that um, we know that Simeon was told that he would not die until he had seen the consolation of Israel. And now that he has seen the consolation of Israel, he's actually saying, well, it's time for me to die now. And in fact, this is what makes most people, even though it does say that he was a man and and, and those things, but this is what makes people believe that Simeon was in fact a very elderly man. He had been waiting for quite some time. Uh, Because it's just a given. Now that he's seen him, he said, now I can die. Uh, Now I can die in peace. 
But look at the last phrase. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Or as you promised. Referring to uh, verse 26 where he was told that he would not die. So Simeon says, I have lived my life in faith. And Lord, now what you promised me, and I have lived in hope for my entire life, I have now seen. And because I have now seen this, I can die at peace. But then he gives in verse 30, kind of the most, if there is a most important phrase in this entire passage, it's this phrase here. He says, I can die in peace because, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. Further explaining what consolation means. Your deliverance, your salvation. Why is this so important? It's because when many people believe that when they come to Jesus, certainly the culture believes it, but I'm talking about everybody in this room right now, that when you come to Jesus, you kind of get to define who Jesus is. You and I get to define how he is. You say, well, I don't know if I've ever heard that before. No, you, you've heard it before. You've heard it before because even among people who claim to be Christians, they will say things like, well, the Jesus I serve, well, th- there's no different Jesus. So there, there, it's not like there's a Jesus that one person serves and a Jesus that another person serves, and then there's the Jesus that I serve, and then there's the whatever. Because, see, our culture will tell you that, well, it's fine if you want to believe in Jesus, and it's also okay if you define him any way you want to define him. And yet, Simeon tells us that there is actually only one definition of who Jesus is. In fact, he says it right here, For my eyes have seen your salvation. In fact, it's interesting, the name Jesus means salvation. That's what the name means. In fact, they were told by the angel, you will name you shall name him Jesus because he will save his people Israel. So, he calls him God's salvation. Simeon can die in peace, so Simeon can die in peace because he has seen the source of life. He can die because he has seen life. He can die because he has experienced life. But see, there are many in this room this morning um, that if today was your last day on this earth or even now was your last breath, you cannot die in peace because you have never seen Jesus as God's salvation. See, Simeon did, and that's why he said, now I can go lay down and go, go to sleep and be with the Lord. Why? Because I've seen salvation. I have experienced salvation. But then look, look at the salvation. What is it? Because he said the consolation of Israel, and oftentimes, as Gentiles especially, we tend to push that off like, oh, well, he's talking about something Old Testament that I don't understand. Look at what he says. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. That's the whole world. In, uh, in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for, the glo- for glory to your people Israel. So what did Simeon just say? See, people say, well, the Apostle Paul is the one who really developed the idea of, of salvation and all these things happening for the Gentiles. Uh, I, make no mistake about it. The concept that the Messiah would come and, yes, be the Messiah of Israel, but also be the Messiah for all of mankind is not a New Testament concept. It's an Old Testament concept. 
In fact, he says it right here, that a light for the revelation of Gentiles. Who's Simeon? Well, technically speaking, even though Jesus has just come onto the scene, because it is prior to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Simeon is an Old Testament man. Simeon lives according to the word of God that is found in the Torah and in the Old Testament. And so when he looks at the Old Testament, what did he say? He said that the Messiah is to be the salvation. Yes, he's the consolation of Israel, but he is the salvation for all people. So Simeon looked at Jesus and said, I have seen this. And of course, Mary and Joseph marveled at what was being said. See, Simeon is very clear about who Jesus is. Simeon doesn't mince any words about who Jesus is is he is the promised salvation for all people See, you and i don't get to come to jesus this morning and decide who he is the word of god tells us who he is jesus himself of course in the new testament says exactly who he is and when you come to jesus christ you have to see jesus as the son of god perfect and without blemish who came and died in your place and in my place because we could not pay the price that we owed. And then he rose from the dead three days later. And the scripture says that the Father raised him from the dead, that the Spirit raised him from the dead. And the scripture says that Jesus himself raised himself from the dead. And so Jesus rose from the grave. And because he rose from the grave, when you and I come to Jesus, we don't get to come to him and say, well, he wouldn't hold this against me, or he wouldn't hold that against me. Or if I come to him, I can hold this part of my life or I don't have to believe everything about the gospel no Simeon told us the testimony of the New Testament Jesus himself says when you come to Jesus you come to Jesus on his terms declaring him to be exactly who he said he was and accepting exactly what he said he would do so when you come to Jesus Christ, if you're here this morning, and like I said, you have never come to Christ, you don't come to Jesus on your own terms. You come to Jesus on his terms. Jesus is declared to be the salvation of all mankind. So Jesus is the one you've been waiting for. But you have to come to him in faith, as I said, believing him to be the answer to all of your Needs, and in fact, the answer to your greatest need, the need to be made right before the Lord. Because if you're here this morning and you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ, then, then in, in the, the kindest way possible, I'll tell you that you are not right before God. If you stand before the Lord right now, you will not be prepared. See, we need salvation. And that's exactly who Jesus is. See, you and I, the reason we spend our lives trying to fill that void, trying to fill that need, trying to make ourselves right before the Lord, the reason we spend our lives doing this is because innately we know, hear this, innately we know that on our own and in our current state, we are not the way we need to be. We just know that. Believer, lost person, we all know it. On our own, we are not in the state that we need to be. And if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, the reason you're trying to fill that void all the time is because you know innately that you are not the way that you need to be. Something is wrong. Something is missing. What is that? It's not a something. It's a someone. 
Jesus is the one you've been waiting for. You hear this this morning and think, okay, well, I, this happens. I, I come to church and, and I hear these kind of messages. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm good right now. I mean, I'm just kind of neutral. I'm waiting. But see, you don't get to be neutral with Jesus. You don't get to be neutral with him at all. You either trust him completely or you deny him. Because to see Jesus is to make a decision. To see Jesus is to make a decision. If you look at verse 34, it says, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. He says it's for the fall and rise of many in Israel. That's a reference to Isaiah chapter 8. And Simeon is telling Mary that Jesus would divide the nation of Israel. He would divide the nation of Israel. And, and the way, you say, well, how so? Well, simple. You just look at the New Testament, you can find. He had followers and he had people that hated them, hated him. And his followers were Jews. And those that hated him were Jews. He actually divided the nation of Israel because of his declaration of being the Messiah. In fact, he says here that he would be, or he is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. He says there will be people who will reject this Messiah. There will be people who will reject this one appointed by God. And as a side note, of course, he tells Mary specifically, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Why? Because, yes, um, he is the son of God. He is also 100% man. And he was Mary's son. And Mary watched her son suffer and die. So this was going to be hard for her. This was going to be difficult. And Simeon's letting her know, this is going to be difficult for you. But notice this. For a sign that is opposed, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This gives the reason, that gives the reason all the way back when he says, this child is appointed. So God has appointed this plan. This is God's design for how this is to be done. And he said, God has designed it this way so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is the, this is the purpose for which Jesus came. When he is rejected, it reveals the secret parts of your heart that you don't think anyone can see. When he is accepted. It reveals the secret parts of your heart. That no one can see. And, and so when Jesus is either accepted or rejected. It reveals to the world who you actually are. At the root of who you are. You are either the one, one who submits to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Or you are the one who rejects the lordship of Jesus Christ. In fact, he said, that's the reason, so that, that's the reason that Jesus came. Jesus came, see, it, you'll hear things, people will say stuff like, well, I, you know, Jesus came just to, to bring everyone in and make everyone God's children, because everybody's God's child. That's not what Simeon said. Simeon said Jesus came in and it was going to divide people. 
Simeon said when Jesus came in, not only is it going to divide Israel, but also it's going to reveal the hearts of every human being. It's going to reveal the hearts of every single person who either believes in Jesus Christ or rejects Jesus Christ. You say, well, what about the third person who can just remain neutral? Like I said, you don't get to remain neutral with Jesus. You either accept him or you reject him. And you say, well, I mean, I don't, I don't reject him. I just don't know that I fully accept him. Then you reject him because you cannot have Jesus on your own terms. You can only have Jesus on his terms. So, well, but that would, that means then you're telling me that if I come to Jesus, I have to give up everything? Yes. Wait, you're saying I have to, I have to give up complete and total control of my life? Yes. You mean I have to take all of my allegiance that I have in all these things and place it all on Jesus? Yes. That's exactly what that means. See, coming to Jesus Christ, we have created a culture in the church today where we say, look, look, it's not a big, look, I'm not wanting to pressure you at all. Look, if you just, just make a half step, just pray a prayer. I'm not trying to get into all these areas of your life. Can I tell you something? Jesus is getting into every area of your life. When you come to Jesus Christ, he doesn't come in and say, I'll take all these areas, but you can keep that one. When you come to Jesus and you declare Jesus to be Lord, he's not just Lord of half of you or Lord of part of you. When you declare someone to be Lord, it means they are Lord of all of you. There is no more, there needs to be no more culture of easy believism where we just have people come forward and they say a prayer or they do something like that. Then they go off and live their life any way they want to. And then we just say, well, I'm just glad he came to Jesus. No, here's the thing. When you come to Jesus, you don't come to Jesus and get to stay who you are. When you come to Jesus, you are irreparably changed forever because you have encountered the salvation of all mankind. You have been saved, you have been changed, you have been filled, you have been forgiven. And when that happens, you don't leave the same. Amen. So what does all this mean then? Why is this a message of hope? It's a message of hope. Because you came into this place this morning trying to fill your life with all kinds of other things that will never satisfy Jesus is the one you've been waiting for. Jesus is the one you need. Jesus is the only one who can fill that void. And maybe you're here this morning and you're at the end of your rope and you've looked everywhere to fill that hole in your soul and try to make right what you feel is lacking in your life. But Jesus is the one you've been waiting for. I can promise you, no matter how if you get that job, it won't satisfy you. If you get to a certain amount in your retirement account, it will not satisfy you. If you get to a certain place in your physical health, it will not satisfy you. Because ultimately, your finances could be taken away, your job could be taken away, your physical health could be taken away, and you can still be satisfied if you have Jesus. So your satisfaction can only be found in him. The reason I said this last point that to see Jesus is to make a decision. I don't know if you realize this when you came here this morning. But you will make a decision right now. You will make a decision. If you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, no, I'm not ready to make a decision. No, you'll make a decision. You will either respond to him 
or you will reject him. You'll make a decision this morning. So, well, well, I'm just not, I'm not ready to make a decision. You will make a decision. You don't get to decide whether you're going to decide. You will decide. That makes sense? You don't get, when you stand up and you walk out of this place and you don't trust Jesus Christ, you made a conscious decision to reject him. And if you surrender right now, you make a conscious decision to declare him to be your Lord. But either way, you will make a decision. What I need you to hear me say this morning is this. If you're in this place, even if, even if you have had a point in your life where you say, Oh, you know, I, I, I became a believer. I, I did that. But you're really not sure. You're really not certain. In fact, truth be known, when you're alone by yourself, you recognize that it's very probable that you're not. You say, but, yeah, but I came forward when I was this, or I did this. It was. You, you realize that in this room, there, there are often times, I know, I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was the pastor. And I'm telling you, I know for a fact that there are times where we have it roll around in our head, but what will people think? I mean, they think I'm a Christian. What, what will be? I teach a Sunday school class. I, I'm, a, I'm a deacon. I, I'm, I'm a this, I'm a that. Do you realize the moment you step forward and say, I want to declare Jesus to be my Lord and Savior? Not one person in this room cares who you used to be. We're only excited about who you are becoming. Amen. You will make a decision. You will either decide to submit to him as your Lord and your Master. To submit to him as the salvation that you have been waiting for. Or you will walk away unchanged, still in the dark, still broken in your sin, and without hope. But Jesus has come. He is the one you have been waiting for. And he is your only hope.